Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at Earsports.com, a Paramount podcast. I am Mike Casaza, a beat writer that covers an 8-4 and four West Virginia University football team. A beat writer who was like, control A, delete my Google calendars for Sunday. A sports writer who feels kind of silly because the Mountaineers pulled this one out. 34-31. Piece of cake, Chris Anderson. I am with you. I had already like told my wife, said good luck with the kids tomorrow. Um, I'm going to be busy. It's going to be nuts. Can't believe this is happening. And then, I don't know, five minutes later, I was like, oh, never mind. Okay. I think never mind. Um, but that was that was something else. That was certainly something else tonight. And I'm sure we have plenty to talk about it with it. Let's pause right here because people are going to say, oh, boy, you all are being hyperbolic. It's late at night. You're bleary. You're weary. You're tired. You're wired. Maybe this is just for effect. It's the rapid reactions. Perhaps we're not lucid and we've just kind of thrown hot takes at the screen here. No. Uh, I can share with you my cell phone. Not going to do it. But like a lot of call me. We need to talk stuff. Um, looking at one of them right now that says, had him all the way. Um, LOL. Yeah, LOL for you, buddy. That's <laughs> not for me. Um, th- this is not, again, this is not hyperbolic. If they lose this game, everything that Brown has really worked hard and his staff have really worked hard to push, maybe not merely to the back burner, but off the stove. It's back on the stove. And this next week is long and difficult and not guaranteed. It's not. It's very different now. It's just very different. You, you, you'd be really, really, really surprising me to fire a coach who's eight and four. You would not be really, really surprising me to fire a coach who's seven and five and blew a game against Baylor that, that his team had absolutely no business losing. Kudos to Neil Brown, eight and four, fourth time with eight or more wins in the Big 12, six and three in the conference, third time with six or more wins in the conference. Had to happen. It did happen. This is going to look a whole lot better by the time they play a bowl game than it will by the time you hear this. Is that fair to say? I think it's certainly fair to say. And and as we try to judge that, let's start with a question for you that may or may not be simple. Out of the 11 FBS football teams that West Virginia University played this season, where does Baylor rank? Worst to me. Okay, just uh, it's either tenth or eleventh, just because. Like, I mean, like that's how legitimately bad they are, and that's that's the point of why this is such a big deal, uh, or would have been a big deal if they lost. Because I'm with you wholeheartedly. I, I'm 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 having the debate of, hey, is this team worse, the eleventh uh, team, the worst team, or is it the pit team that had a converted or a guy that was so bad at quarterback that they converted him to tight end and WVU secondary was laughing at him i don't know which one's worse that's how bad this baylor team is and i mean we gave all the stats i i was getting nervous there because only twice this season mike when you and i have done our preview pod have we just been like come on seriously like this is gonna be a game and that was byu and this one we we went short on both we were quick to the point there was no, yeah, well, you know, if this happens, that you know, the other team might win this one. 
or or even if it was, you know, West Virginia, obviously not favored a whole bunch this season, but those two games and, and this one was the same way. Like there was zero reason this game should have been close. None, absolutely none whatsoever for this game to be close. And of course it was. Yeah, the reason I would I would put this team below Pitt for two reasons. One, West Virginia had a healthy Garrett Green in this game, did not in the Pitt game. Uh, if we're being real, Pitt and Baylor both play with a backup quarterback. So I can't even like say, oh, well, you know, Sawyer Robertson isn't their guy. Sawyer Robertson didn't look bad today. I didn't think he was that good, and maybe he's not that good, and maybe West Virginia's defense is once more the elixir, but it wasn't that night against Pitt. So Pitt just makes you think like that's that's just a bad team, but like when a team has folded up shop and, and this team had just let games get away, they lost 42 to 17 last week, Chris, and it was 42 to it was 21, 17, the third quarter. And they had a little bit of adversity and they just gave in uh, and they just been manhandled lately. And, and to be one and six at home and to, I don't know, to conjure up the old fighting spirit of the Baylor home crowd that last game, I don't, I just don't believe that. And then if you watch what West Virginia did on offense and even defense in that first half, that game should not have been close in the third and fourth quarter, but West Virginia did not look good at the start of the game, did not look good at the start of the third quarter. And I promise you this, I promise you this, Neil Brown will will tell you whether he does this after the game or on a, on a Monday afternoon news conference that you can tell if your team has it or not, if they're trying hard, if they believe by what they do on special teams. Because sometimes that's starters who are on their second or third unit Sometimes it's walk-ons who, or just like guys who have a scholarship that don't play very much and they want to play. They want to be a part of something and and they give or they get that energy. They either the suppliers because they want to be part of it or they are riding the wave that everybody else has given them because, again, they want to be part of it. Or they're dragging themselves out there because they played X number of snaps on offensive defense and they got to do this kick or this punt. And they give up back-to-back kickoff return touchdowns. That means 11 guys are not inspiring or inspired. And they have one job there. And like sometimes it's very literally one job. Stay in your lane, get off this block, don't let this happen, right? And it all went wrong. Um, I think one guy, Avery Wilcox, had a chance to tackle Richard Reese on those two kickoffs and then didn't happen. Um, Richard Reese, really good, largely absent this season on offense. On kickoff returns, seven kickoff returns, 147 yards this year. It's not a thing he does. It's not like, oh, you know what? That Reese guy got us. And to get burned like that back-to-back times, that was extremely ominous. And it made you think, this is one of those games that should not be close. Something is wrong here. And then if you watch that third quarter, something was absolutely wrong. And then, again, they win. Kudos to them. There's something magical about Garrett Green or the offense or the opposition's defense and maybe even offensive philosophy late in games. I don't know. They get a win. And, again, it's going to look a lot better three weeks from now than it will in the morning. I want to talk about those kickoffs for a minute because this is something that I wrote in the three goals for all three sides of the ball before the season. And it was this this decision not to kick it out of the end zone. And I get tonight, rainy, maybe it wasn't possible. I don't know, but this is a whole year thing. So let's let's look at it the whole season as well, or even the whole the last four seasons. Because in my three goals piece from the before the year, I pointed out that Evan Staley was kicking it into the end zone 53% of the times back in 2019. Not great, but 53% of the time. And then in the two ensuing years after that, when he was still doing kickoffs, that dropped to 16% and 18%. That was a choice. <laughs> that is a choice. That is not like an accident. And then you look at Michael Hayes, who has been handling kickoffs for West Virginia this season. Um, 
he was 68.1% touchback last season um, at his previous. I was at Georgia, Georgia State, Georgia Southern, Georgia State, sorry. Um, and this season, I'm looking it up on the fly right now, but 31.7% touchback percentage this season. 68% to 31%. Again, this is a choice. It is a choice that the coaching staff has made, and it is a coach uh, choice that has been wrong for four straight years. West Virginia is the only team in the entire country, 132 FBS teams, that has allowed a kickoff return in each for a touchdown in each of the last four seasons. West Virginia <laughs> has the most kickoff return touchdowns allowed in the last four seasons with six now. And they currently lead the nation in most kickoff return touchdowns allowed this season. They have been ranking 114th, 118th, 110th uh, in kickoff return average. These are choices. It was not necessary. That first year that Neil Brown was here when they let Evan Staley kick into the end zone all the time, they were top 10, top 10 in kickoff coverage. And now they're one of the worst in the country for four years running. And it's because of a choice. Sorry, I can't. Like, that's just... This is not a luck thing. This is not a player making mistakes thing. This was a choice that was made, and it has been a huge negative for this team for four straight years. I, didn't mean I can't get to it the second your, time. I'm, I'm sorry to step on your special teams corner, but I can't. Well, why kick it to him the second time? I have no clue. Listen, they have a an elite eight men's soccer team on campus. Um I'm sure they have guys with big legs. They have NIL. Just a guy who can kick it on that white stripe in the back of the painted area behind the goal line. I don't want to get too complex, but I'll just keep it that simple. That would be my priority. Just stop messing around with this. Here's the complete list of teams that have allowed three 90-yard plays on special teams on kickoff return this year. Are you ready, Chris? West Virginia. That's the list. Not surprising. So like 90, 91, 92, maybe, maybe a team has something weird happen. I don't know. Maybe you run into good teams. Maybe two teams get one on you. No. Uh, and then it just, it's, it's a bad thing. And that's how this happens here. And like you, you hear the step on the rake, play with your food, stuff like that. One, fine. Two, that's really tricky. Like why bring it back in? And again, they were, they were more careful the rest of the way and okay, fine. Um, but that was, that was strange. Um, as inexplicable as that is to me, Reese got six touches on offense, Chris. Hmm? How? How does this happen? <laughs> Sorry, seven. He caught one pass for three yards. Six rushes, 42 yards, long and 19. So the other five were still good for more than four yards of pop. Great kickoff return guy. I don't I don't understand why he didn't have it because the other guys tonight were getting two and two and a half yards of carry. I just, I wouldn't have had, I wouldn't have had any problem handing him the ball. And then when they gave him the ball, almost like strategically in those third and fourth quarters, he was good. And then this didn't give it to him consistently. And that's the guy who just it looked like he was saying, please, I think I earned this. I think I had a chance here. Do something with me. Enough. We're not a Baylor podcast. They have their own problems they're going to have to deal with here. And one of them is rationalizing why they thought they won this game, why they played with a 10-point lead when they are only up four. <laughs> um, like th- Just very bizarre behavior at the end of the game. Um, the coach smiling when they're about to kick a field goal and their kicker had looked kind of shaky. Strange. Don't know. But again, the only team in the country to play eight home games this year, they go one and seven. This is three and 13 in the last 16 games. I don't think it's going to change here. But again, not a Baylor podcast. Let's go here, Chris. Um, there is good. 
there certainly is bad here. Let's 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 get to some good stuff. Offensively in the first half, pretty much exactly what you thought they should be. Halftime box looks promising. The only trouble is that they're only up by a little bit and they should be up by a lot more. But um, it, it seemed to me that the way this game was going and the way that it was going to be decided was by West Virginia putting his foot on the gas pedal here. And then that late touchdown at the end of the first half looms large in the end here too, but it just came at a, at a certain spot where they really needed to have something happen. And that pass interference was, was important. Um, Baylor missed a field goal right before that. Baylor's defense has a chance to get off the field, pretty blatant pass interference. And then green again, there, there's just something about green, but he made some things happen. Um, offense great in the first half and, and really important to get that last touchdown drive. Yeah, they were cruising there for a bit. You know, a couple of those uh, drives stalled into field goals. And then, of course, the kickoff returns allowed is what made that game close. I mean, there, there, there is a world where that first half is, what, 35 to nothing? Yeah. Like, literally 35 to nothing, and instead it's 27-14. Um, Green, it, again, is he perfect? No. But he, he is developing, and he is looking good. And I pointed this out during the game. I said, you know, you want to talk about the development of green as a quarterback go back and look and god what touchdown was that i think it was the one that ended with a one yard sneak by him um the final touchdown right before the half Mm -hmm. and he had first down rolled out to his left and he kind of patted the ball was looking for for receivers and instead of forcing it which we've seen him do we've seen other quarterbacks at west virginia we've seen other quarterbacks at a lot of places do he just throws it out of the back of the end zone now it's not there this time. I'll get him next time. Second down, he rolls out, um, looks downfield again. Again, it's covered. He looks, he looks, and then he decides to run, gets it to the one-yard line, and then scores. The two two of the best plays that he made all day were the two times he did not throw, the decisions to not make yeah. a bad throw. And that's why West Virginia scored that touchdown. That's why they got that 13-point lead. And and that's just a sign of him developing as a passer. Because, again, he's – he was a little more efficient this year, uh, this game, you know, 64% completion, 269 yards. I, I, again, hitting some deep balls too, um, over 100 yards rushing. Like, again, not perfect, but he is absolutely one of the best quarterbacks in the Big 12. You and I had that discussion on a three-minute video earlier this season, and we were both like, is he like right there at third, fourth um, with Will Howard from Kansas State? Like, yeah, I think so. And He's shown no reason for for us to think otherwise, especially with this play uh, today. Want to go over this really quickly before we move on to the bad part here. But at halftime, total yards with three sixty five to eighty six. West Virginia has more yards rushing, two hundred seven, and passing one fifty eight. Then Baylor has total yards. West Virginia has seventeen third downs. We talk about twenty five. I, I talk about twenty five as a magic number. Seventeen in the first half. Total plays thirty eight seventeen yards per play. 9.6 to 5.1. Chris, people will tell you if there's a two yard difference between yards per play, you're going to win. There's a four yard difference. <laughs> Not great. Yards per completion, green, again, terrific. 15.8, nine yards per rush. I mean, everything is going three for three in the red zone. Could have kicked some field goals there. That's fine. But they, they had such a disparity in stats that honestly, you're thinking this is just going to get worse in the second half because the offense is fine. It's been this way for a couple of weeks. And they're not going to give up two more kickoff return touchdowns. Probably. Third quarter happens. Holy cow. And this is the part about the Brown era that I think frustrates people. I, I You cannot tell me the offense was the same. 
Uh, I just have a hard time seeing that. And then the defense just kind of came back to reality. Robertson, who completed his first 10 passes of the game, incredible. He goes 9 for 10 for a touchdown in the third quarter. They outgain West Virginia 169 to 41, outscoring 14 nothing. Plays are 21 to 9. And the first downs, important, right? 9 to 1. And at this point, that's important to me because Baylor is only 1 for 3 on third down. They're 2 for 2 on fourth down. So they were desperate, but they were also effective. That's a combination, especially in third quarter of games, that can usually get away from teams. And, and just nothing worked well for West Virginia. If you look at the stuff they did, it just, this should be good. This should be bad. Um, and it was obvious, like, this should be good for Baylor, and it was. It should be bad for West Virginia, and it was. Example, 46-yard run for Green. They had to get a hot play after that touchdown drive by Baylor to start the second half. They get it, wiped out by a penalty. And then as things continue to just unravel from there. Um, and you can take this, Chris. Th- this is an easy formula for us to talk about, but also for teams to follow. Just a couple of things that they couldn't do that West Virginia, by and large, hasn't done. And they insisted on doing these things, too. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. Yeah, so I, there was there was some boop. I don't know. It, it was strange, like because the way they were running the ball was dominant again in the first half, and then all of a sudden you're seeing like sweep pitches out to the left. You're seeing some tosses, you know, middle field. That's not that's not Green's thing. It's it. it, it I, don't, I don't know. There was there were some poor reads from Green again. Not perfect, but very good tonight. Um. And yeah, it just kind of fell apart. It, it really went bad. It went south there, big time. Um, I mean, God, when when would you say, like, out of this game of sixty minutes, there was a stretch there from like what? I guess, well, I guess Green scored right before halftime, fifteen seconds left. But man, it, it, like, they were a complete non-factor for the entirety of the second half until that final drive, like a, a complete mm-hmm. non-factor. It was wild. It's just simple stuff too. Like they run on first, run on second. That's not going to work sometimes when they're still not to run you to stop you on the run. And Green had been okay passing it. Um, I, I tell you what, what seemed like a significant swing for me was the fourth and two. And this this looks so undisciplined and so sloppy by a team that and people really will bang the drum about Brown and his staff for being unprepared and being sloppy sometimes, or just being kind of loose with some of the. I guess you would say like the elementary coaching stuff, the fundamentals, if you will. Coming out of timeouts, after kickoffs, you know, delays, those things. Um, Baylor pretty clearly is just going to run up to the line and try to get West Virginia to flinch on a fourth and two with a couple of seconds left in the third quarter. And if not, don't flinch, take the change of quarter, think about it, drop a good play, or deliberate punt, go for it. West Virginia jumps, free play, 18 yards. It's third and three. At the 22, and they run a keeper with the quarterback, Robertson. Um, nobody's tackling Reese at this point. He's had seven, eight, and five yards in this drive or in, in, in recent, eh, yeah, this drive. And, and just nothing is working. All of a sudden, they got to kick a field goal. They do. It's 28 27. It doesn't feel like it's out there. But then West Virginia just can't get it working. Uh, you have a wide open pass to Green 
from green to Ray on the right side where Ray, I don't know, could he made a better play? Maybe if he jumps out and like supermans it, Pete Rose is it, whatever. Uh, the way he's playing, it's hard to say he didn't try hard in that one. Of course, he dropped the ball earlier in the end zone. But you got to punt it again. And then all of a sudden, here comes Baylor again. But Baylor ends up with, a, I think, a 25 or 26-yard punt because on a third and nine, they're passing. They can't figure out what to do. Ed Vesterna makes a really good effort play. And all of a sudden, West Virginia's hanging and hanging and hanging. And then I, I don't know how they got back in this, Chris. The, the the QB sneak where it just it just goes bad. We watch this on Saturdays and Sundays across the country. It's almost 100%, it feels like. And Green's good at this, and he's got big guys behind him. And and they they flunked the fourth and one. And I don't know how they won this game after that point because Baylor gets a first down right away. They're inside the 30 pretty quickly, inside the 25, actually, pretty quickly. And they miss a field goal. Um, th- this game was over so many times, and it's over ultimately with West Virginia in the end. But there, there are so many sequences there I think Baylor's going to kick themselves with. And I'm looking at it just trying to figure out, okay, is that unfair to West Virginia? Is this just like a guy that says, boy, this team should be better than this? Am I am, am I like spiteful because I was so confident in my pregame podcast, the preview? I don't think so. I just think that like a lot of stuff went wrong for West Virginia. And they just found one more good thing to do that Baylor could not exhume when it had to. You know, the pregame pod, you, you know, you did your, what are we talking about? At 1130 on Saturday night. It's not quite 1130, but I said, we're going to be talking about Neil Brown's future. And then I was like, all right, well, let's get more game specific. And then said, I think I said offensive line, which was hit or miss today for those guys. Like it was either all in or all out with some of those guys today, um, which I guess we can touch on or or not. I don't care. But then when you went, you also said, we're going to be talking about Neil Brown's future. And here we are. Like, I mean, this is a game that we just we said you know if they lose it's going to be oh boy we've got a lot to talk about if they win then it's hey you know things are looking up things are moving forward and somehow it's a mix of both i don't even know how that's possible i think that's what's so confi- like i mean go look at our message board right now it is schizophrenic uh with the responses going on right there but i don't even know how it's possible that west virginia wins a game gets the eight and four and it's still like are you sure are you sure that's that's what happened tonight because you're right. I mean, everything everything had to go wrong for Baylor to even have a chance. And so many of the things that went wrong were coaching decisions and mental mistakes by players that ultimately come back on the coaches as well. I don't know what they did in kickoff return. I'm looking at it, and there, there are some guys out there who have always been out there, and I think that they were out there later on. Um, I know that Andrew Wilson Lamp was not in a punt return after his mistake again in that game. And again, it looked like people did not really usually see a guy make a mistake and three, four, five guys come up, pat him on the helmet. Hey, we're going to need you back out there. Didn't see that. Um, and, and just saw some things that it just didn't look good. But let's get to this, Chris. What What is it about green? There, there is something there where I, I'd like to, I don't know, I just sit down and crunch numbers, but. Uh, I did this earlier in the uh, two weeks ago. They've been pretty good at the end of the first half. Um, maybe not necessarily like going into halftime, but their last possession, sometimes it ends early. Sometimes it ends right before half, but they've been pretty good getting three or seven. Obviously you have the Houston game. You have tonight's game where he just made things happen there. Um, I don't know if he's explosive, efficient, whatever, but he goes to a different gear there. And, and it's hard not to say tonight that, that he wasn't the best player on the field. I know Jaheim White was was obviously very important again, running the ball and ultimately the catch. But 
that throw is really good. You you call that play because you know that guy can make that throw. He ran the ball at times too, and um, I, I don't know that he was the cause of their trouble in this second half necessarily either. Biggest thing with him is is again he's he has the arm to beat you deep, so you have to show respect to that. You have to have guys back, but he is so explosive. Again, I don't know if he runs a four four. I don't know, maybe, but the speed with which he gets to the acceleration, the speed with which he gets from I'm passing to I'm full speed has to be among the best in the country for a quarterback. Like it's unreal how fast he goes from I'm on my third step of my three step drop to I'm now full speed and breaking the line of scrimmage, rushing for 20 yards. And I think that's why he catches these defenses so off guard. And again, if if any coach ever says, yeah, you know, I don't, I really want a dual threat quarterback. <laughs> you might not want to have him as a coach because you get quarterback that can do both of these things and the defenses have to give up somewhere. They have to give up something somewhere. And green is able to make them pay running. And he's slowly finding ways to make them pay passing. And, and I think that's, you know, again, we've gone back and forth on, what they should do and, you know, about transfer portal and quarterback, I put it as a wild card because, again, you usually always want to be looking, but not for a starting quarterback if you got like an all-conference caliber guy. I feel confident, you know, definitively saying that West Virginia does not need to target a starting quarterback in the transfer portal for next year because Green can be and is that guy right now and should be next year. I just want to talk about his run of play here, too, since he was back against TCU. And he was not healthy, but he had the 35-yard touchdown run in that game, 80 yards. Houston, he was spectacular passing the ball that game, but he had 47 yards rushing. 117 against Oklahoma State, 55, but three touchdowns against UCF. Uh, only ran the ball four times because they were killing BYU. Just didn't have it against Oklahoma. Um, I'm not saying no shame in that, but he just didn't have it. That wasn't his day. That wasn't the offensive day. 11 carries, 154 yards, and again, over 100 yards tonight. He's he, he's a running back who can throw really nice passes down the field sometimes, too. And that's that's not meant to be uh, a slight to him as a quarterback, but you have to treat him like a running back. And the trick here is that you said he's he's going to bomb it. And they've turned that, that vertical pass into a real problem for defenses now because he'll throw it. Uh, you've got Ray. You did not have Devin Carter tonight, which is interesting. I don't know what the deal was there, but he did not play hardly, if at all. But that's a guy who usually gets up the field. Clement, back healthy, was a target a couple times tonight. Uh, and Green made some really nice reads on one-on-ones or knew where the safety wasn't and found the guy, put some balls in the spot. But, like, you have to think about that. And if 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 you cover his guys deep, he's going to tuck it and run. He's going to get those alleys from his offensive linemen. He's going to have a second-level block from a slot receiver or tight end. He's going to make something happen. So it's it's a good concoction they've worked up. It's something to really be excited about, I think, if you're this – if you're a fan of the offense, and again, if you don't look at if you look at the context or or the quality, you just look at the quantity of the wins. That's that's the way he's played and led you to that this year. And um, you look back some days or weeks from now, his his season is going to be pretty impressive nationally this year too. And there's nothing wrong with that. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Uh, Chris, let's go over just the Neil Brown thing. There were a lot of people clamoring for us to have a uh, presuming that West Virginia was going to lose this game, which for quite some time looked like it might be the case. But a a I don't know a hot board podcast or a State of the Union podcast. He wins. I just absolutely do not believe he's going anywhere. I don't think that you could. I don't think enough. Uh, uh, 
ice cubes and, and sifters of brown liquid could back Rem Baker into a corner at the finest hotel in uh, in in, uh, in Waco, Texas, and, and say, "Hey, we got to make a change. Let's hire this guy." So this is what you're going to do. You're going to go forward with Brown. Um, I don't think any external force is going to make that change. Disagree with me if you'd like to, please. I'm, I'm not telling you you have to agree with me here, but that's my opinion on this. Uh, they're going to go forward with this and try to make it bigger and better. Try to keep it going and, and make it more effective, more efficient, more explosive, more consistent. And I think people should probably try to wrap their head around that. I'm not saying they should feel good about it, but they're going to probably have to come and make amends to that. Uh, am I off base there? And how should people view the next couple of days or weeks or months? I think you're on track. There's going to be some interesting conversations here, partly because it is, I mean, let's be blunt here. You know, it's eight and four. You play the schedule that's in front of you. It wasn't the toughest schedule, which again, someone on this podcast, that's not me said before the year even started. Kudos on that one. But People hated that too. Yeah. They were mad at you about that. They're mad. Um, I was in the boat of, I think, first half's really hard and the second half's really easy, which, again, basically my prediction teetered on the Texas Tech and TCU, the fact that neither of those teams were particularly good this year, and I thought they might be above average. But anyways, sidetrack. Um, you kind of got to look at this and be like, hey, things are moving in the right direction. You figured out the offense stuff, and the arrow is pointing up because – Again, tonight, your your quarterback's coming back, presumably. Your leading rusher is a true freshman. Your leading receiver is a redshirt freshman, right? Hudson Clement, I think he's a redshirt freshman. Um, your leading tackler is a true freshman. And a lot of your top players on both sides of the ball have the ability to come back. So things are looking up. Your coach is now 8-4 and four on the season. But there is still this sense of, hey, that was a week eight and four. It was a week schedule. There are issues on this team, and there needs to be a discussion as to why there are issues on this team. Why are there so many problems on kickoffs and kickoff coverage for four years running? Why did a quarterback who was, uh, the stats I had, what was it? I think out of 19 uh players who have passed the ball a hundred times in the big 12 this year, he was by far the worst yet. He looked like a daggone NFL quarterback against West Virginia on Saturday. Why does that keep happening? Why does, how did you put it? The West Virginia defense is the elixir Mm -hmm. for some of these quarterbacks to kind of get out of their funk. Why does that keep happening? And there needs to be, have some conversations. Is that coaching changes for the assistant coaching staff? I don't know. There needs to be a talk about because, again, I've been very upfront about this, that I am a big Jimmy's and Joe's over X's and O's thing. And some of the Jimmy's and Joe's in some of these spots just are cutting it. I mean, if you go look at my transfer portal piece from earlier this week, like it it was spots where I'm like, yeah, a lot of these starters are coming back. And this should still be a high priority for West Virginia, the transfer portal, because I don't know if any of these guys should should be starting in the Big 12 Conference. And so there needs to be a discussion. Is this an NIL thing? Is this a player you know, acquisition thing? Is this a coaching thing? Some tough, There needs to be some conversations because this doing what they did this year moving forward ain't going to cut it. Like the, the results are fine, are good, above expectations. But the actual product on the field needs to be more complete. And I think there's going to be some interesting conversations about that in the next couple of weeks. 
Yeah, there's going to be a lot of turnover on defense, too. I'm not saying staffing, but that might be part of it, too. But they, some of their impact players are not going to be back uh, just because that's the way it is. I mean, their their eligibility is gone. Offensively is very different. I mean, if you look at some of their top players, uh, obviously Green is one. Donaldson, White, uh, Johnson, Andrew, those are all, I'm not saying they'll be back, but they're all underclassmen. Um, have a chance to have a good core there in the backfield. Again, it'll be really hard to keep them all together. Uh, Carter, whatever. He's a senior. He'll go on Cole Taylor, Preston Fox, Hudson Clement, EJ Horton, Traylon Way, Rodney Gallagher. That's a lot of underclassmen that'll be back there too. So you have a chance to really hit an offense and this could be a dynamic offseason for their offense and just par- partner with some really good defense, uh, some changes philosophically. They're going to have to do some things because, and they'll tell you too, like they made it simple this year because that was the best way of what they had and who they had. They're going to have to be deeper and better and stronger than they were. Um, and then that's, this is not the situation they have right now. They should not be getting um, ping ponged against Baylor at this, at this stage of the season. They should not be making. Sawyer Robertson look like, I don't know, one of their quarterbacks too, but that's the problem for the future here, I suppose. Um, finally, Chris, um, do you catch the Hail Mary? The, uh, the Auburn-Alabama Hail Mary? No, 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 the Hail Mary tonight. Because if you can oh. overcoach a Hail Mary, <laughs> they they both tried it tonight. Like putting your backup quarter in, the quarterback in to throw a Hail Mary is a heck uh-huh. of a thing to do. Come on, I was about to say the there sideline. was no Hail Mary because they got that that pressure on them this time. Yes, like, uh, the whole the whole I wouldn't do anything different again. If a coach says that to you, I promise you they're going to do something different. They just are, and they sent they sent Marcus Floyd from the corner, which is a good idea. I actually thought that he was going to try to press that guy and jam that guy, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. That'll disrupt him, and then all of a sudden he just I don't, don't want to say cheat. That's not the right word. He sneaks in and 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 he puts pressure on the quarterback and he hits the guy's arm. However, I have had one person text me from the game, one person DM me from the game. Cole Taylor was on the field playing defense. <laughs> Until next time. Do, do we stop it there or not? I don't know. Um, you should have. That's too good. That's too good. Oh, so all the things that were suggested after the last time, that we were told was stupid suggestions or the wrong suggestions, or it was done correctly. Everything that was suggested came to fruition. I don't know. Like they, they had two defensive linemen. It, it was, um, it was Martin and Vesteran in again. And uh, 10 and eight is that is going to be Bradley and Bartlett and Bartlett plates, uh, the spy again, the change is Floyd putting heat on the quarterback. And I just couldn't, I couldn't see the overhead. I don't know. I doubt very seriously. They had Lance Dixon in there. Cause he's not on the team anymore. I doubt very seriously they had two spears because their other spear would be uh, uh, McLaurin, and they don't have another spear unless they put Raleigh Collins out there, which they wouldn't have done. So they had to change something up, and I'm guessing they supplemented their depth probably because they were out of players, Chris. They put their tight end, their six seven tight end, who you can't possibly put in the field to defend the Hail Mary. Judging by what people have told me, he was on the field to break that Did up. you hear the Rob Gronkowski story, Mike? I, I could have swore I heard that story. Somebody will have to fact check me on this. I'm just telling you what I'm on my on my DMs and my text messages. One of each right now. I haven't looked at it since we started. Uh, actually, since I was looking at what I was reading earlier on about the call me, we need to talk stuff, which again, moot at this point. But if they put him back there and the ball never got even that far down the field, we never even got to see a, a, a shot of the camera. I don't have access to all 22 footage, but I think it's kind of funny that the season ends, the regular season ends with that as our addendum there. Um, coming up tomorrow. Plays a change again. That'll be a volatile, Chris. You haven't been doing that for a while. I don't know how you can resist this time. I'll have three things, I think, three things I know. 
on basketball, on football. We'll do some snap counts. We'll do the power rankings, which should be pretty interesting, Chris, because I don't know how you make sense of the Big 12 based on what we saw the last couple of weeks. Well, it's going to be a wild one. I don't know how it's going to finish, but we're we're talking here, and Kansas State is blowing a home game to Iowa State, giving up 42 points. In a blizzard. In a blizzard. I'm, am I looking at this right? Iowa State's running back has two, a freshman running back who has never started a game, has 276 rushing yards right now. Hmm. Oh. Okay, sure. Do we Why do- not? Do we just warn people about Mark Stoops to uh, Texas A&M? Oh, God. It's already on the board. Too late. Is it really? It's on there. Yeah, it's uh, Mark Stoops is leaving. UK is going to be open. Neil Brown's going to Kentucky. Maybe I should clear my Sunday after all. We can just go ahead and pre-record that one, I feel like. Do we stick around into the uh, Rapid Reaction podcast for... Mark Stoops goes to Kentucky. Maybe not. Until then, I'm Mike Casazza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you then.